I'm Caitlin. I'm Rachel. I'm Emmy. So it's fellowship time. That's the rumor. There's a fellowship, and there's a ring. Some elves are getting up to stuff, and I guess a few hobbits. I, li- I like hobbits. <laughs> I've always felt actually a good kinship with hobbits, because they eat and they drink. And sends him on a quest. Gandalf super doesn't really want Frodo to get out of the house. Suck it, Gandalf. Pipeweed? Pull up an armchair, grab a pipe and a pint from the green dragon. So you want to read Tolkien? Reading The Fellowship of the Ring. Okay, here we are this week for Chapter 7 of Fellowship of the Ring in the house of Tom Bombadil, where we learn all the answers to our Tom Bombadil questions. Mm -hmm. So many answers. Mm -hmm. All of them. So many questions. So Rachel, I'm nominating you for the long summary. That's what I figured. Uh, I'm nominating myself for the short summary, and I'm nominating- I will do the characters! You did not wait for your nomination, Emmy. No, I didn't. I just took it. I do not second your nomination. Life is short. I didn't nominate myself. I just showed up. So, the characters in this chapter are all going to be very familiar, because in fact, we met them all last chapter. We've got the same four hobbits that you know and love. I would hope at this point. Otherwise, what are you doing listening to this? Then we have Tom Bombadil, who is master of wood, water, and hill. What does that mean? We have no idea. Hopefully by the end of this, you will have some idea. Um, But this chapter doesn't give us as many answers as we wish it did. And Tom Bombadil's wife is called Goldberry, and she is daughter of the river. Whatever that means. These are mysterious people. So the short summary of this chapter is... The hobbits rest and recover in the house of Tom Bombadil and Goldberry. Tom tells them lots of stories, none of which explain the least bit about him. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like such a weird short summary, but that's literally it. They do a lot of sitting around and listening to Tom's stories, but we don't get those stories relayed to us. Mm -hmm. To be fair, even they don't get any answers yeah they no. get the stories but um all right so the long version of that uh the four hobbits enter the house of tom bombadil and are greeted by goldberry who is sitting in a chair and surrounded by bowls of water lilies as we all hope to be she <laughs> <laughs> she greets them and tells them that they are safe in the house overnight despite the terrifying forest outside Frodo is rightly dazzled by Goldberry and recites some poetic lines that harken back to Tom's lines in the last chapter. Um, All, you know, slender as a willow wand, oh clearer than clear water, poetic stuff. She is appropriately charmed by Frodo and also interestingly comments on being able to tell that he is an elf friend. I guess when friends, no, when elves call you their friends, you can then see it. In your eyes? I don't know. It's Either weird. that or she's just like, <laughs> well, you've left the Shire. You're speaking poetry. Odds <laughs> are better than not. Yeah. Um, but they then proceed to have this brilliant exchange in which Frodo asks, who is Tom Bombadil? And Goldberry says, he is. And I said, ugh. <laughs> Really, he, <laughs> Tolkien was just throwing shade on that one. So what will piss my audience off the most? But she does give at least a little bit more when Frodo kind of glares at her. 
and she says, He is as you have seen him. He is the master of wood, water, and hell. And Frodo asks, Then all the strange land belongs to him? No, indeed, she answered, and her smile faded. That would indeed be a burden, she added in a low voice, as if to herself. The trees and the grasses and all things growing or living in the land belong each to themselves. Tom Bombadil is the master. No one has ever caught old Tom walking in the forest, wading in the water, leaping on the hilltops under light and shadow. He has no fear. Tom Bombadil is master. Which is both, like, lovely and sinister. It's, yeah. It's that line that makes me like my favorite theory that I mentioned below. Mm-hmm. We'll get there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then after that bit, Tom himself walks in from taking care of the ponies, and he's all merry and droll, in direct contrast to those lines. But the, uh, the hobbits get themselves cleaned up, and everyone has a fine dinner together before getting settled in for bed. Goldberry wishes everyone goodnight and tells them not to worry of any of the noises outside in the creepy forest. Uh, Frodo then asked Tom if he had heard Frodo's cries for help earlier, or if Frodo was just lucky that Tom happened to be there. And the answer is no, Tom hadn't heard, but he did know that the hobbits were wandering, and how the forest works, they would mostly, most likely end up at the river eventually. Uh, Tom then sings another little song all about gathering water lilies for Goldberry, and a bit about how he found her by a pool long ago. And Frodo As you do. Yeah, as you do. I like, you know, strange woman lying in ponds, distributing lilies. <laughs> <laughs> Almost Monty Python. Um, Frodo then asks about uh, Old Man Willow, and everyone else rightfully is like, no, it's bedtime. We are not doing not this time. today. <laughs> so uh, instead of talking about the Willow, everyone goes to bed and has some dreams. Dreams. Mm -hmm. So Frodo dreams of a black wall of rock with a great gate, and then he lifts up to see a circle of hills, and within a plain, and then a pinnacle of stone. And on top of it, a man who raises his hand, makes a bright light with his staff, and is borne away by an eagle. And also Frodo hears the ominous sound of wolves and hoofbeats and stuff like that. But wonder what that vision could possibly be. Who knows? But it does suggest a like a psychic link between Frodo and this character, or possibly that some higher power is showing Frodo something. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. I wish they hadn't cut stuff like this out of the movies. Yeah. Just because it really solidifies, I don't know, Frodo's place in all this and that something bigger is happening. Right. I mean, this is his second prophetic dream. The first one a lot more more vague and yeah. metaphorical, and this one perhaps a bit more literal, but there are definitely forces meddling in his life. Yeah. I find that to be very interesting. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, like those prophetic dreams, by removing them from the movie, it became a lot more about Frodo's choice to take on this burden rather than the chosen one. I mean, it's still a chosen one narrative, but it's not as much of a preordained chosen one narrative as much as it is like the I choose to do this because I know that I can. Yeah, that's true. But I still don't think that this in particular ruins Frodo's choice. 
But th- that's me. I, I, I like both, I suppose. No, I think not in the context of the books, but I think if it were portrayed in the movies, it might. Mm. Just because they don't get to... I mean, one, they haven't sat around reading The Silmarillion before getting into this. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Um, Just without getting the descriptions of things around it and just seeing it, you might draw more in. And you know they'd have to do some, like, really dramatic, you know, over voiceover effects and things like that to make it seem all epic. And, um, anyway, that's beside the point. Um, Merry and Pippin both have creepy dreams. Uh, Pippin... Uh, actually awakens to hear the noise of branches in the wind. And so I guess he's not a, not dreaming, but whatever. He hears the noise of branches in the wind and a sudden vision that he's inside the willow again, getting eaten by it. But the remembrance of Tom and Goldberry's soothing words to not, not be fearful uh, end up getting him back to sleep. Mary also, uh, he hears the sound of water rising to drown him and the feeling that he is in a slimy bog. He also awakens and then remembers Goldberry's words and falls back asleep. And <laughs> Sam, bless him, he slept through the night in deep content, if logs are contented. <laughs> that is probably my favorite quote from the entire chapter. Possibly the book. <laughs> it's... <laughs> It's so good. I want that, like, you know, vinyl lettered onto my wall above my bed or something like that. <laughs> if logs are contented. <laughs> um. So after that night of dreaming or not, uh, Tom awakens the hobbits and tells them that that day the sun will likely not shine. And the hobbits breakfast, and as they do, the rain begins to fall, and everyone's pretty happy not to depart that day. Did you just use breakfast as a verb? I did. <laughs> it is a verb. Okay, okay. Um, sometimes it happens. <laughs> uh, Tom comes in from the outside, and he's not wet at all, except for his boots. And he reports that this is Goldberry's washing day and her autumn cleaning. And these people are very strange. Yep. Is it like spring cleaning, but in the autumn? I have questions. That's, I mean, that's what I do. I don't spring clean, I autumn clean. Mm-hmm. I don't clean. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, so while Goldberry is out communing with the rain, Tom tells stories of all sorts of things, of creatures and flowers and trees and the world, and about Old Man Willow and the ancient forest, and then about the great barrows of the Downs, their little kingdoms and dead kings, and bodies stirred from the grave, and barrow whites walking in the hollow places. And uh, the hobbits then remember, oh shit, the barrow downs are adjacent to where Tom's house is, and we gotta go by there. Nobody um, wants that. Nope. Uh, Tom does also talk of times of old, before the world was round, and in the days of ancient starlight and the first, uh, the time of the first elves. At this point, Frodo uh, asks Tom directly to his face, Who are you, master? And, uh, eh, what? said Tom, sitting up, and his eyes glinting in the gloom. Don't you know my name yet? That's the only answer. Tell me, who are you, alone, yourself and nameless? But you are young, and I am old. Eldest, that's what I am. Mark my words, my friends. Tom was here before the river and the trees, 
Tom remembers the first raindrop and the first acorn. He made paths before the big people and saw the little people arriving. He was here before the kings and the graves and the barrel whites. When the elves passed westward, Tom was here already before the seas were bent. He knew the dark under the stars when it was fearless before the Dark Lord came from outside. <sighs> Indeed. And uh, in a nice inverse to earlier, um, the moment is now broken by Goldberry coming inside, and Tom changes back to merriment once more, and everyone has supper together. Then Goldberry sings and prompts visions of pools and waters and the stars reflected therein. Uh, Tom then decides to question the hobbits directly, and it seems that he knows much about the Shire because of Farmer Maggot, who might be a terrible person who beats children, but also, like, so badass. Like, <laughs> just it's just absurd that this guy, like, tells off the Black Riders and waltzes into the woods and meets with Tom Bombadil every so often to update him on things. I hate that this child beater is, like, given all this cool shit. Fuck Tolkien. I mean, it's mostly just a conversation. He's not given anything. He just did something. You know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, nah. we won't get back into that, but... Um, turns out, Tom also has news from Gildor, the elf. And uh, he knows of the quest and asks to be shown the ring. And Frodo, to his surprise, finds that he gives it over to Tom quite easily. And, uh... One more bit of recitation. <laughs> it seemed to grow larger as it lay for a moment on his big brown-skinned hand. Then suddenly he put it to his eye and laughed. For a second, the hobbits had a vision, both comical and alarming, of his bright blue eye gleaming through a circle of gold. Then Tom put the ring round the end of his little finger and held it up to the candlelight. For a moment, the hobbits noticed nothing strange about this. Then they guessed. There was no sign of Tom disappearing. Dun dun dun! <laughs> the ring uh. stopped working? Question mark? <laughs> we'll never know. Very weird. Then Tom plays a dirty joke on Frodo and makes the ring disappear as a parlor trick before giving it back. Frodo is- Poor Frodo. Right? Frodo is very concerned about all of this and wants to make sure that the ring still works. Valid. So he puts it on and uh, tries to sneak away, but Tom calls him back, stating he's not as blind as that yet, and tells Frodo his hands more fair without it. Uh, finally, Tom tells the hobbits the weather will be nice the next morning, and they must head off before it turns. He advises them to take a route over the western edges of the downs to try to avoid the barrows, and uh, he also teaches them a rhyme to sing if they run into trouble, which will call Tom to them. Everyone sleeps. The very, end. Very exciting chapter. I'll admit, I still remember, like, both the last two times I read this book, hating this chapter. Because I was reading it just as a book and wanting to get on from this. Mm -hmm. But now... To being able to take it just as a chapter and, like, reading into these lines and the... the bits of beautiful prose and stuff. I did actually enjoy it. The pacing of the beginning of this book, and when I say that, I really mean just, like, Farmer Maggot and the elves and Tom Bombadil. Like, at what point do we stop meeting people before we actually embark further on this quest? 
it's like we can't go a quarter mile without finding someone new. Yeah. See, I just don't like Tom Bombadil, which I know is like I... Tolkien fan blasphemy. But like as a character, I don't like him. I have no emotional attachment to him, but I really did like how he frustrated Frodo. I mean, it was kind of vaguely cruel. All he wanted to know was more about you, Tom, which is a polite thing to ask. But I thought it was really funny. See, i that's part of the reason I don't like him. He just gaslights Frodo? Yeah, and he's like, like he seems to know enough about what's going on to know fucking with the ring will fuck with Frodo's mind. And he does yeah, it, it anyway. Is, it's kind of your thing again about people just pointing at, at doom and gloom and not actually saying anything and the withholding of information. Yeah, like, I don't... It's not even so much that in this particular case for me because we don't necessarily know that Tom Bombadil has ever left his woods or knows anything about what's going on outside of it other than what Farmer Maggot tells him. So it's... I don't... But he... But it is definitely uh, Tolkien withholding information. Oh, yes. That's... (laughs) Yes, definitely. I mean, I think between the two working together and it's just like, it's meant to have you guessing. And it's this character that doesn't ultimately mean anything. Yeah. It's just kind of, I don't know, Tolkien going like, hey, look at me. I built out this world with all of these mysterious creatures. Don't you want to know more? Ha, too bad. Yeah. But the words are pretty. And he's mean to Frodo. And Frodo's my baby. So... I don't like that. <laughs> I mean, he's nice to Frodo, too. I guess. I mean, yeah, but he, he's nice to the group, and then he's mean to Frodo in particular, I feel. Mm-hmm. Maybe he doesn't know he's being mean. I don't know. But I don't like it. I, I will say a lot of the writing in this chapter is very nice. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I'm glad every adaptation cuts all this shit out. <laughs> it's a little unnecessary. Movie, radio drama, everything. Tom Bombadil gone. Bye. So, before we get into all of the theories, what are your theories about Tom Bombadil? What do you think he is? I honestly have to lean towards Maya, only because we know so little about them that it's much easier for my brain to wrap around that than it is to be like, he's part of a Valar, or... The bastard Luvatar has come down to meddle on Earth in some way, shape, or form. But also, I just never want to see a Luvatar again. Ever again. Okay. Okay. Rach? Um, so interestingly, right, I kind of had the, have been in the same place, like, maybe Amaya something? Um, but as I read it this time, when he first appears in the last chapter, and again in this one where, like, the emphasis is put on his blue coat, it made me remember the two, like, missing blue, blue wizards. wizards, which I know have, mm. like, other timing that's mentioned and stuff, which, you know, either could just be that they get something else or that it's a uh, reference to that that doesn't actually fit because, you know, Tolkien doesn't actually make everything match up perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought it was interesting that he's associated with the color blue and we have these two unknown blue wizards and wizards being Maiar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I that just... was just a, it was just something I noticed and I don't know if I necessarily place stock in him being a blue wizard. 
That would make sense, except then I think about the names. And we have Saruman, we have Gandalf, we have Radagast, and we have Tom Bombadil. Well, that's his, his name among the hobbits. He has a number of different names. Yes, we will learn his name among elves later, which is much more, like, fitting with... What did Eldest. the fucking elves call Gandalf? Jesus. Uh, Mithrandir. But as it is, let's, uh, let's get Of course, uh, Frodo, who just happens to speak um, Quenya, could also give Tom a <laughs> grand old-fashioned name. <laughs> Frodo speaks Quenya. What the fuck? I forgot. I just don't understand how that happened. Yeah. I'm still okay. fixated on the, how does he speak a language he literally would never have had a chance to practice? How? Okay, okay. All that aside, all that aside. So, the theories that I found among the interwebs, kind of referred to them all, but we're going to start with my favorite theory, which is that he is Iluvatar himself, or like a personification of an aspect or whatever, a piece of Iluvatar. Father, son, holy spirit. Yeah. Kind of thing. <laughs> sure. Father, son, blue coat, yellow boots. <laughs> what? He's like the human Paddington, except Paddington has red boots. Whatever. As an aside, I think it is ridiculous that in so many of his stories, Tolkien has these super caricature men married to these, like, beautiful, ethereal women. Like, what? Whatever. Anyways, um, I like this theory because, again, it lends to that feeling of, like, a helping hand from beyond, and it, and that bigger powers are watching what's happening and that sort of thing. I like that, that feeling. Um, but this is the only one of the theories that Tolkien himself has 100% said no. No, <laughs> Iluvatar does not have a personification in Arda. I feel like that makes more sense. I honestly feel like by the time Arda... Mm. I've forgotten how to word. By the time Arda like came into being, right, once it solidified and the Valar came down and the Maya and all of the, the men were being born, um, Iluvatar was like, this seems really boring now, and then left to make a new <laughs> planet or something. I feel like he just went off to a different part of the void. It would fit with his character. This is true, but I did kind of like the idea of a part of him being this, you know, unassuming dude in the middle of this woods, in the middle of nowhere, beside, you know, a dead kingdom. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, if, if Iluvatar were going to show up somewhere, this is where he would show up. So, and, and, and also just, like, take an interest in fucking hobbits, where we don't even really know where the hobbits came from. Yep. How did this happen? You know, like maybe Louvatar was like, which one of my kids fucked up and made hobbits? <laughs> <laughs> you know, 11 meals a day, really, guys? <laughs> yeah, really. Was it seven meals a day? Whatever. A lot of meals a day. Yeah. Many of them. Many, many. So many. the next theory is a Valar, which, again... Similar to the Iluvatar feeling does lend a, a sense of somebody from on high paying attention to what's going on. And I do like that idea. But then you get, like, what Velar? Because we know there's only the 14. Mm-hmm. I just had to pull up a list. And they're accounted for. Well. Right, we, like, we know it's not Olmo. We know. We know it's not Olmo. 
And we know that most of them have, you know, made that deal with each other to keep their shit out of Middle-earth. I really can't see it being Manway. I can't really see it being anybody who's off in Valinor, because they're just, like, sitting in silence on their thrones. In the Ring of Doom. Making psychic connections with each other. Exactly. I I think, I feel like the closest one would be Orome, but... He's, you know, Tom Tom is playing at the, you know, gentle, it's all like berries and milk and cheese and stuff. It's mm-hmm. not hunting. Yeah. I kind of liked the idea of Aule because, um, like, he might feel some responsibility for what's happening right now just because he's, like, the god of creating things and shit. Mm-hmm. And it always seems to be a piece of jewelry that fucks shit up. Yep. <laughs> And also, there's probably something to be said that he had a hand in Celebrimbor and all the creation of the rings and all that shit. So, I can see where Aule might be like, I can give these guys a little helping hand here, and then I can wash my hands of the whole thing, and I did a good deed. But then who the heck is Goldberry? Because Aule has a wife. Yeah, these are questions. And This entire chapter is just questions yeah and she would not stand for the woods these ways no (laughs) and (laughs) like and i feel like tom has more in common with yavana than with ale so Mm -hmm. i don't know but let's move on from that theory so then the next one down is amir like we discussed but the big thing against that is why doesn't the ring affect him because we do see it affect the three Maiar that, well, four, well, uh, well, we see the it ones affect, it comes in contact with. Well, it doesn't even come in contact with Saruman, but it certainly fucking affects him. So Gandalf, That's Saruman, true. and Sauron are all affected by the ring. Obviously, mm-hmm. we don't see the Balrog affected by the ring, but he doesn't know it's there. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's an interesting uh, theory for us. <laughs> what happens with a Balrog and a ring? <laughs> that would be interesting. Dark Lord Balrog. <laughs> like, does, does he, yeah, does he try and take over Sauron? Does he bring it to him? How subservient is he? He's been in, in the depths for a long time. So the problem with Amaya is uh, the ring thing. Now, to be fair... You could say that within the woods that he is master of, the ring doesn't affect him. And maybe if he was outside the woods, it would affect him because he would no longer be in his territory or whatever. Mm-hmm. But we will never know. Yeah. And the invisibility is so different than like him not being taken by it. Yeah. I don't know if he's just like, I just don't need to hide. But <laughs> now that being said... One of the the big description that we get about Tom, where are we here? Which also, I think, kind of leads to my Iluvatar theory, but again, Tolkien kiboshed that. So, when uh, Goldberry says that he is the master of wood, water, and hill, and Frodo asks if all this strange land belongs to him, and she says no, and that that would be a burden. I don't think this is actually the line that I'm looking for. Shit. But I'll read them both. So she says, the trees and the grasses and all things growing or living in the land belong each to themselves. Tom Bombadil is the master. No one has ever caught old Tom walking in the forest, waiting in the water, leaping on the hilltops under light and shadow. He has no fear. Tom Bombadil is master. 
that kind of sounds like God to me, but what do I know? And then where is the bit? So the bit that when Tom is describing his himself, he says, eldest, that's what I am. Mark my words, my friends. Tom was here before the rivers and the trees. Tom remembers the first raindrop and the first acorn. He made paths before the big people and saw the little people arriving. He was here before the kings and the graves and the barrel whites. When the elves passed westward, Tom was here already, before the seas were bent. He knew the dark under the stars when it was fearless, before the Dark Lord came from outside. So, he knew it's the- Lovatar. <laughs> <laughs> so, he knew the dark under the stars when it was fearless, so he existed before the sun and the moon. I mean, a lot of people in this book did, so that's not that big of a deal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people did. You're not special. Yeah. <laughs> and then he was already there before the seas were bent- which happened after the sun and the moon when the world became round. So that's whatever. Now, the big one is before the Dark Lord came from outside. This could refer to like three fucking different things. <laughs> <laughs> the big one being that Melkor was the very first Valar, if I'm remembering correctly, to come down to Arda. Like before they even started creating shit. Like, before, like, Varda and uh, Manway showed up and were like, hey, wait, that vision we had isn't here yet. And Iluvatar was like, no, you have to make it. I am pretty sure Melkor was already there. So if he, if Tom was there before that. That's very old. What? <laughs> what the hell? Now, the other interpretation is that maybe he remember remembers maybe he remembers the second time Melkor came back from the void after they had banished him and then they mm -hmm. let him back in if I'm remembering that correctly or yeah, not the they, void they had, like locked him up in Mandos's halls maybe yeah there it is yeah they locked yeah. him up and then they let him out and then Ungoliant happened and then he yeah. ran away and all so, that and then they locked him in the void yeah so maybe he's remembering that time when Melkor came from outside back into Arda which would make him at least exist after the Valar had created the world. Or decorated the world. Mm -hmm. Whatever. But it's like, so when... Because he was first chained up after he'd done, like, the corrupting of the elves and all that fun, right? I feel like yes. Or or like, maybe it was the corrupting of the Mire into, the, into Balrogs and stuff. Okay, mm. what was the first thing that made him... Cause, Part of that line... Because that, the elves came to be after the lamps. Da, 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 da. Right? So there was, like, there was lamps, yes. and then there was elves, and then Varda was like, oh, wait, more stars. Or maybe the more stars thing happened around the same time as elves. Yeah, and I'm when did, when did the this. lamps get knocked down and all that fun? Yeah, I think it was after the lamps that they put them into Mandos's halls, and then they made the stars more and then eventually they made the trees and there was elves and then everybody was happy in Valinor and then the Silmarillion happened. <laughs> Yay. Okay, yeah, that makes <laughs> right more sense. I'm sure if we've got our timing wrong, somebody will let us know. Please help us. Yeah. Um I'm actually trying to look this up. If right you find now, it, but... let me know. Okay. But the third option is that the Dark Lord is referring to Sauron. Oh, no. Melkor led the left the first time by choice. <laughs> oh fuck me! I don't know. 
the second time then. I'm just going to keep adding times <laughs> until I figure it out. Okay, but look. So if the Dark Lord came from outside is referring to Sauron, then actually it doesn't matter at all, because the other two things would make him even older than that. Yeah. By a lot. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, it's like, Melkor is there, he leaves because Tolkis drives him off, and Ooh, then Oh, right, I forgot everyone, about Tolkis. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tolkis is uh, Tom Bombadil. <laughs> 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 um... But he is there everyone, to fight Melkor. Yeah. Everyone leaves because the elves aren't there yet. And so um, Melkor destroys the lamps and finds the elves and starts corrupting them. And then they come and imprison him. Okay. So we were smooshing those two things. We were smooshing. Okay. Um, But I was just... The one that caught me was when Tom's talking about himself is well he was talking he he spoke of the times of ancient starlight when only the elf sires were awake so yeah definitely before i feel like there was something else. well if only the elf sires were awake he might just mean the first elves right and he, doesn't he he has a thing about he remembers the elves going west yes when the elves passed westward so that would be the great like migration of the elves from middle earth to well, mostly other places in Middle-earth, but with the end goal of Valinor. <laughs> right, and that would be pretty much after, like, the, the first time Melkor was here. Back, sort of. So anyways, he's really fucking old. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, never mind. So yeah. old. Old as balls. Yeah. So, I don't know. But when he says he remembers, like, the first raindrop and the first acorn and all that stuff, that makes me think he was already there when, you know, like, Yavanna first started creating the forests and stuff. Mm -hmm. Except, ugh. okay, you know what? This brings us to another theory, which is that he is a spirit. Mm -hmm. Not like a ghost spirit, but like, like a spirit of the woods, you know, in mm -hmm. the same way that Goldberry is the daughter of a river spirit or whatever. And because... Uh, I think it was cut out of the Silmarillion, but there are in either the Lost Tales or the big history of Middle-earth, there is mention that Tolkien had a line in there about there being like, you know, uh, what are those things called? Like leprechauns and wood spirits and all that sort of stuff. So with his whole relationship with Goldberry, that would kind of make sense. And in that way, he would have sort of sprung into being as Arda, not Arda, Yavanna made the woods. Mm -hmm. So that kind of makes sense. But it's a boring answer. It does make sense. But yeah. that's it. All of these other answers are like the most likely are just like, hey, something else. Yeah. I don't really know. I mean, as I noted here, the real answer is obviously that Tolkien wrote him before he decided that The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings fit into the Silmarillion and he's sort of a leftover. <laughs> but that answer is boring and stupid and we don't like it. So yeah. Well. I think the official answer that Tolkien has given is that there are some enigmas in Middle-earth, and Tom Bombadil is one. And he never, you know, he wanted to leave it that way. Mm -hmm. He wanted us to have these annoying conversations about what the fuck Tom Bombadil is. Mm -hmm. I will admit one of my favorite things I've read about Tom Bombadil mm -hmm. is not about what he really is, but it's the one about how he's, like, the next great evil in Middle-earth. 
<laughs> I will believe that because he seems fucked up. And I just I just dropped the link to live journal. Oh my god, I was just gonna say that is a live journal link, Rachel. We will add um, it to our Twitter. Yeah, it's fascinating, and and it talks about how like um, other forests feed off of the people who live in them, like you know Lothlorien and and Galadriel and things like that. And so the the, the forest being so dark and twisted is a sign of. What what is what Tom Bombadil truly is? Anyway, it's my second favorite. This person is actually super evil. Theory behind only Sith Lord Jar Jar Binks, <laughs> the greatest <laughs> the greatest theory to ever grace the universe. I suppose I'll have to read this later, but There's I like a lot that to unpack in it. Mm-hmm. I do remember reading the chapter and being like. Like, this was the first time I felt a malevolence from him. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, the just those little moments, like, that one where he just looks through the ring. Yeah. I just, I, I couldn't quite put my finger on it, on, like, what exactly, like, it was meaning or something, but is it just, like, the eye in the ring? I mean... It's just, it's described so ominously. I guess, like, Tom being evil... Like, why wouldn't he keep the ring, then, and kill the hobbits? Let all the competition cut each other out. That's true. Maybe there's a reason he can't keep the ring that we don't know, because we but didn't he, write this story. Although He I, might not want the ring, because it belongs to another master. There's that, but also, oh. if the ring doesn't affect him within his wood, maybe he can't use the power of it within his wood, either. Mm-hmm. No, maybe it's a, That would a, make a lot of sense. A two-way street. Yeah. Also, okay, I was going to say it had to be in here. Because they can bring about the downfall of Sauron, current Dark Lord, and when Sauron falls, the other rings will fail, and the wizards and elves will leave Middle-earth, and the only great power that is left will be Bombadil. <laughs> That's creepy-ass shit. Right? Oh, that's hilarious. Sith Lord Bombadil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we literally never see him again. I mean, I understand that there are other publications that have some Tom Bombadil stories in them, but within the context of these stories, we never see him again. Yeah. Or, sorry, we do see him one more time. Once we're out of this area, we never see him again. And yet, he is waiting. (laughs) (laughs) I do like that uh, thought of evil Tom Bombadil, because like I said, I don't particularly like this man. Yep. It's just, it's just interesting, and again, it it doesn't necessarily do the what is he, or but, the who. But I don't you know, would whatever. find out in that story. But you, maybe, you don't need to know for him to destroy you all. I hope I'm still alive when Lord of the Rings is out of, uh, you know, what's the word? Copyright. Copyright, and anybody can do whatever the fuck they want with it. I forget. I don't think the Tolkien estate will let that happen. Well, if it's out of copyright, they'll have to. No, they won't. Because, I mean, Disney should have run out of copyright, like, 50 years ago. Right, but the Tolkien estate doesn't have the same, I will buy off everybody in order to elongate copyright power that Disney has. No, but the actual general copyright law keeps changing because of Disney. Okay, Because Disney is forcing their hand, so... So uh, what and, you're saying is, no, yeah. no, I'll be dead. Great. Yep. Yeah, probably. Something else to carve into your bones. 
another reason to be pissed at Disney. Okay. Can I can I switch gears real quick and just talk about um my one lovely thing about Goldberry for a second? Sure, sure, sure. As I was looking up about her for last one getting exactly the whole like river woman's daughter thing, right? Um there's an image that was like a art photo of someone that's used on the trading card or whatever and it's like the image that's used for her all around the internet and the picture reminds me so much of Florence Welch and honestly just you could tell me that Florence was Goldberry and I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> just a river daughter <laughs> living in these creepy woods occasionally emerging to sing ethereal songs checks out I just looked up what Florence looks like because I've never known. Mm-hmm. And I don't see it. Maybe, like, personality-wise, but... Oh, definitely personality-wise. She looks too normal. Well, no. Maybe not. Florence Welch is okay, well, hardcore feminist and amazing. Image-wise, maybe? I have questions maybe? about I don't Goldberry. Know. Yeah, have you seen the, the picture of Goldberry? With just, like, the bangs and the flowing hair and that dress? and I guess... I don't know. Florence but does she run back and forth across human. the stage without stopping? Goldberry? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can see what you're saying. It's not how I personally picture Goldberry. But I see what you're saying. Yeah. No, I mean, I wouldn't pick that art piece either. I, w- I would much rather her be, like, slightly, like, beautiful, but in a terrifying way. Yeah, there's like, this one you know, here where she's, like, half in water. Mm-hmm like staring out at you like I will drown you Goldberry because a dark lord needs a dark queen mm-hmm. although once again what the hell is she doing with this weirdo but <laughs> I feel like she could do way better maybe he's just weird in front of guests I mean maybe I mean they're maybe they're both stuck there I guess so it's just a matter of well we want to have sex and there's no one else around yep Tolkien would be appalled. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to get our cease and desist letter from the Tolkien estate any day now. Well, anything else? Did you guys have favorite theories that we talked about? We talked about them. Okay. Yep. Who is Tom? (sighs) That's who. According to Tolkien, an enigma. So I guess we'll just have to not know until Tom takes over the world and kills us all. So we have that looking to look forward to. It escalated so quickly. If you have any concerns about our new Dark Lord, you can tweet at us <laughs> at to read Tolkien, or you can email us at wanttoreadtolkien at gmail.com. That was a gorgeous segue. <laughs> um, if you want to leave us any reviews on your podcast listening platform of choice, please do. The more five-star reviews you leave, the less likely we are to have Tom Bombadil take us over. I don't know if that's true, but it can't hurt. I mean, if Tom Bombadil comes to destroy us all and you didn't leave us a five-star review, (laughs) you might have some regrets. And so, this is, in all likelihood, our last episode of the year due to... December and Christmas being crazy for everyone. Um, But we will be back in January with chapter 8, which is called 
Fog <laughs> on the Barrow Downs. Thank you, Rachel. <laughs> I got the titles, I just don't have the numbers. Counting is hard. <laughs> I hear that. So everybody, enjoy your holidays, and Happy New Year. We'll see you in 2019. I've been Caitlin. I've been Rachel. I've been Emmy. Bye. 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 I've been Caitlin. Bye. Bye. I've been Rachel. (laughs) I've been Emmy. You will have to fix that, Caitlin. Bye. 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 Bye.